Pete Cassidy won 334 games as head coach of CSUN Matadors basketball between 1971 and 1996. Previously, he had been an assistant to then-head coach Jerry Ball and is himself a graduate of CSUN, class of 1960. Cassidy shepherded the Matadors from their Division II status into NCAA Division I competition in the season of 1990 and 1991. Cassidy passed away on Friday, December 18th in Valencia amidst an outpouring from his former colleagues and his former players. Joining me today to reflect on Coach Cassidy and his history with CSUN is Todd Bowser, who played basketball for the Matadors between 1986 and 1991. Todd Bowser joins us. He is a former Matadors letterman. He's still on a bunch of lists. 10th in career games started, 10th in career rebounds. And Todd, I, I we were talking before we got on the air. You are one of 12 players in the history. CSUN has been playing basketball 63 years now. Only 12 guys with 1,000 points and 500 rebounds, and you did it in uh, 100 games. So welcome, and I thank you for taking this time. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here, and thanks for the opportunity. And I uh, didn't know that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I always like to provide information if I can. Uh Reflect a little bit. When you heard of coaches passing, what thoughts went through your head? Who did you call? Who did you talk to? I uh, found out Saturday morning uh, a couple days ago, and um, I actually found out via Eric Sondheimer's tweet, of all things. Uh, and uh, it, it it wasn't altogether unexpected, I guess. I had seen Coach at a reunion about four years ago. I think it was 2016. And at that point, he was showing early signs of of his issue. I, I think he is battling dementia. Mm -hmm. um, but to answer your question, um, I, I thought long and hard. I, I sent notes to, to about 20 former teammates that I had immediate contact with um, from my playing days and the immediate aftermath there. Um, I called a couple players, left messages for them, and just to kind of get the word out. I think that those folks that were at that reunion that I called were very happy in hindsight about attending that reunion because we knew, we knew that, uh, that the time was short, you know? Yeah, it always is. You always like to see somebody. And I know that he'd been ill and, and, and that, that reflects, uh, you know, on, on what you've said. Um, so let's go back, you know, your career, you, you, you came out of Montclair prep uh, class of 86, and then you joined CSUN at the time, their division two, you led the team in rebounding, I think in 1988 and going into what would have been your senior year, you decide to leave the team. Um, now, obviously, you know, coach has a different view of that probably than you take me through that with you. What was the decision? Was it related to your relationship with coach? How did that all go about? I believe that was September of 89. Right. It was going to be my senior season, and you don't see a lot of people even still redshirting their soon-to-be senior seasons, right? So, uh, frankly, it had it had everything to do with coaches' perception that, that I was horribly unprepared for the upcoming season. My weight was, was in his mind, an issue. Uh, in his mind, I was... Uh, not doing a very good job over the summer, staying in shape. And he had real concerns about my ability to perform the following year. And we, we, for lack of a better term, we had a large and loud argument. 
And I, I think looking back on it is one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, I think uh, I've said before, even with you a little bit earlier, my relationship with coach was such that we could have that frank conversation then. Mm-hmm. And I think that leading up to that, I was horribly unprepared. I was out of shape. I, uh, I let the summer go and I, I was not carrying on with my schoolwork very well. And I did some long and hard thinking in the aftermath of that conversation about going to play again. And uh, I had to take a step back for my health and for my for my schoolwork. And, and I did. And uh, I think that although at the time it was very rough for, for Coach and I, I think uh, that was him showing a lot of care, right? I, I think one of the cornerstones of his and my relationship was that he cared for me deeply as he did all of his players. Um, and although I know he was disappointed, um, I think he thought that that was a, I, I guess, a cornerstone of our relationship that he could come at me that way. Uh, and it ended up being a very good thing for me. I came back and played Division One basketball the first year uh, that CSUN was was in the Division One ranks, and I had a very good season. So um, I, I owe him a lot, and I always have, and that's well, one of the that's one of the reasons. Todd, what was the conversation like? I mean, did he call you and say, okay, you're ready to go and come back? Or was it something you had to reach out to him and say, hey, coach, I'm ready to play again? Yeah, if if I remember correctly, I initially reached out to him after some some players came to me and, and we had, you know, we I never lost sight of my teammates. I still hung out with all of them in school. And after some coercion, I guess, and after some pride swallowing as a youngster, uh, I, I believe I reached out to him to have a conversation, and the conversation was one that was was much calmer than the the one that we had prior. Um, and I said, "Look, I I think that I've taken this year and I I've made some changes, uh, and if you're willing to have me back, I'm willing to to uh, give you all that I have for my last year." And um, and that's how it happened. And and. We, we had several conversations, but I think that was the initial portion of it. And uh, from then on, it was uh, full steam ahead for, for my last year. You know, obviously, he, he had a great legacy. I mean, four conference titles. He was a two-time conference coach of the year, three-time district coach of the year. But what I want to ask you about, Todd, uh, first Division One win in school history came in December of 1990. Now, you guys as a Division II team, you always had a road trip every year where you played a couple of D1 teams, which obviously got you ready. What was the feeling like? I believe it was at the Matadome. You beat Northern Arizona December 1 of 1990. <laughs> that, had, that had to be really fulfilling, with, particularly for you with everything you'd been through with Coach and with the program. It was a – any win that year was unexpected, according to anyone that you spoke with. Uh, but that one was was big, and I think we all felt it for Coach more than anybody because we all knew that two-thirds of our game by NCAA rules had to be played on the road. So going to the University of Utah and, and Weber State for a weekend, you know, my freshman year was nothing compared to being on the road for 12 days in the wintertime playing four schools in the Midwest that, that all were beating us soundly, for example, right? So... Getting that first win was a big one. I think we went on to win eight games that year. It's certainly certainly not a great season by anyone's standards, but for the little Division II school that uh, was in their first year not expected to win anything, I think that first win was a big step for all of us. It was a big sigh of relief for us players to to get one uh, under our belts and and 
you know, for coach, I think we all needed to prove that we could win at that level. Uh, Todd, what kind of coach was he to play for? What kind of stuff did he run? I mean, you were a big man. So, I mean, how did it work for, for you play, playing for him? What were kind of his, 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 his bedrock beliefs in terms of an offense and a defense? He was, he was a big uh, a proponent of UCLA's uh, high post offense. He was very close with Coach Wooden. Um, so uh, I expect there was quite a bit of exchange of ideas as far as philosophy there. Uh, so we ran a lot of UCLA stuff. Uh, we ran a lot of uh, we ran a lot of man-to-man uh, defense, and we mixed it up with with some zones as well. But I think the the overriding factor in everything that we did, and this was us taking the likeness on of Pete. We we played hard, right? We he, he expected he expected us to give everything we had every time up and down the floor, and I, I don't know if that was the uh, the Irish kid that was too small to play basketball, just, you know, being a fiery guy that he was. But but I like to think that we took on the, the likeness of him in that. Um, whatever we, we ran, I think that if you didn't do it hard, you weren't going to be on the floor. And, and we practiced that way, too. Um, we Like I said, we, we got a lot out of what we had. Um, but he he was fiery when when he sensed that we weren't giving a giving him a hundred percent um he was a taskmaster on the floor um but you know I, I like to think pete was firm and fair you know if if uh if you were given everything you had and had a bad game there was there was nothing uh that that uh took the place of effort regardless of the outcome so i think that's a little bit of a glimpse into him he uh the other story i would have is during our conditioning we would condition on the track every year before practice started October 15th. And part of our graduation was to run a mile in five minutes. And uh, for some of the guards, Troy Duker and some of those guys, they, they, they do that in their sleep. Right. But for, for a guy, my size trying to run a mile, I don't even want to drive a mile in five minutes. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh, so I got out there and, and I think my best performance ever was five Oh five. So I missed it. And, uh, he was so proud of me that day, right? He, even though I missed it by five seconds, uh, he didn't make me run it again. Number one, which was which was part of the part of the deal. But you know, he was so it was like a big party on the track that day at Northridge. Like you know, all the guys were celebrating. You know, once we could get up from running that far, uh, but he he never beamed more when uh, when I came in at five oh five, and he was so proud of us. You know, that's just one example, but. Just the little stuff like that just uh, kind of sends me back, you know. Those great team-building exercises that, that all the good coaches have in their back pocket. Um, let me – fill me in a little bit on your relationship with Coach after you graduated. You mentioned you last saw him, I believe you said three or four years ago. But when from when you graduated, obviously you maintained a bit of a relationship with him. And in covering athletics, I find that athletes, they generally – the game itself, some miss it, some don't. What they really miss are the relationships <laughs> – you know, with their teammates and, and their coaches. What was your relationship like with Coach Cassidy once you were able to graduate? Well, once once I was gone, I, I you know, as so often happens, I think, you know, I, I was a local kid. I, I'm still in the house that uh, I've now renovated that I grew up in in Mission Hills. I, I live three miles from campus still. Uh, so I was close. You know, I, I would see him often. Um, I would talk to him often. And, and every time we spoke, uh, 
we we talked far less about basketball than we did about you know real life how's your how's your parents how's the family uh how's your health he always asked how my, how my health was you know being a larger than life person i i i think he was always concerned about me going down a a road in which i was too heavy or too unhealthy or drinking too much you know from my old college days or this or that and he was always it was always the first question out of his mouth so you know we'd meet later uh he was a big proponent in the kiwanis club at northridge mm-hmm. uh he was a big participant in that so we we would go over there every now and then um uh, or we'd meet for lunch uh you know whenever he had a break uh, for years afterwards and then um later on i i really we met less and we spoke more on the phone i i moved to with my job i moved to hawaii for a few years so we lost we lost the ability to connect in person for a while um but we still talked and then the reunion came up in 16 and i think about 25 guys uh saw him there and um it was really great uh being able to see him and his wife and um uh, but you know he was never far from my mind in fact i was telling my girlfriend uh recently that i, I need to check in on him and then i got hit with the news saturday so i was i probably didn't do enough uh to reach out to him in the last four years but but i'm glad for the relationship we had um uh, throughout his life uh again todd i appreciate your times todd bowser uh csun basketball alumni who is uh, reflecting on the life of Pete Cassidy, who passed away last week. Uh, give me, sum it up in the end for me. Uh, what What do you think, what do you remember most about Coach Cassidy, whether it be from your playing days or the relationship you formed with him afterwards? Uh, obviously, he's he's an icon at, at CSUN. What blows me away is that I was doing, doing research, I realized that from 1971 to 2013, CSUN had two head basketball coaches, both Coach Cassidy and Coach Braswell were, were, were there for, you know, nearly 20 years. So uh, that, that to me, is a legacy of stability, which was established by Coach Cassidy and, and your guys' generation at, at CSUN. But reflect for me a little bit on what you remember most about your coach. Well, again, it's, it's the off-the-court stuff I think I remember the most. I, I think anytime you have a problem as a student while you're in it, you could go to his office and talk to him. Anytime you saw him in the hall, he was never too busy to stop and chat for, for a few minutes if you needed that. And and he wasn't just like that with the basketball guys. I mean, he had he had basketball 101 classes. He he taught he taught many classes, but there were so many students that were touched by him. Their lives were touched by coach. And and he was like that with the students. I, the kids loved him looking back on it. We all did. Uh, and I think it was just because of the way he carried himself. He was he was an outgoing guy. If he smiled at you, you you, you know you you were moved. And and I think I remember, you know, in addition to him smiling at me after after uh, after a play that I made or or after uh, giving him a hug or um, I, I think it's just I, I think it's the hug that that I that I'll remember most and and always the caring that he showed for me and uh, and the guys around me. I, I We really lost a good one. We really did. Todd Bowser, thanks so much for your time. <laughs>